think we're recording. We're going to be this morning. I, I was really blessed this morning. I, I, if, if you haven't looked at the church page, I'm going to encourage you to watch Ben's video before you watch this video, if you can. Um, Simona sent me a video of Ben, and it, Ben is doing the introduction for my message. I could probably let him preach. He, he said in about 30 seconds what it's going to take me at least 30 minutes to say. So, but it was a, it's a, it's a real, he starts out, go read your Bible. Don't read other letter, letter, letters, I think, other papers, but you need to read the Bible. I'm paraphrasing his marvelous words. I could not do him justice at all. At the very end, he says, so if you want to read your Bible, go read your Bible, because reading the Bible is very important. Now, that is the context of the message this morning. And so we could just say amen and finish up, but we're going to look at the... Well, we'll let Ben serve as an introduction. That boy's going to be preaching before he knows it. So that was a real a real blessing to me to have Ben share those words this morning. But we're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, 14 through 17. We're going to kind of go back to last week a little bit to make a transition. We're going to try to move things back. Um, yeah, so Because Paul, Paul says, he writes to Timothy... In um, chapter 3, verse 14, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 3, verse 14, he writes, uh, But you must continue in the things that you have learned and have uh, uh, been assured of um, from, whom, from, who you, from, from whom you have learned them, and that from the childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise into salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Then he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, go read your Bible. Okay? But let me we'll give some background to this. I want to stress something at the beginning, but since it is Father's Day, I usually try to relate something on Father's Day if I don't preach a specific Father's Day message. I usually try to preach something that's kind of related to Father's Day, that's related to the importance of parents teaching their children. So we're going to spend some time doing that. Back in chapter 1, verse 5, Paul had written these words, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, um, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in you as well. Um, I just want to stop here with a note. Uh, not just for fathers, and it is Father's Day, but it kind of, you know, Father's Day never gets the same emphasis as Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. It kind of becomes a generic parents, family, children's day, and dads are just dads, but guy, that's the way it is. Dads are just dads, and I'm going to be guilty of it this morning as well. But I got a word for parents and grandparents, and and uh, this is the importance of what, I, I love the picture here. I love what Timothy said, or Paul says to Timothy. He says to Timothy, the, the thing that your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I am persuaded is in you also. Judging from the time that Paul wrote these words, um, his, his, Timothy's grandmother must have been a very, very early believer. She must have come to know Christ very early. And in, 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 she may even have, she's this age that she could have actually heard Jesus preach. And been a part of his ministry. And his mom was saved. And they began teaching him from very, very early on. So what I want to say to parents especially. And, and when I say parents, 
I may not just even mean just specifically physical blood mom and dad or blood grandparents. We're blessed to have our own, all of our own blood grandchildren, but we're also blessed that we've got a lot of, um, I guess we can call them spiritual grandchildren. Uh, we consider our church very, very much a family, so we have the privilege of, of being Grammy and Grampy to a lot of folks, and that's a special blessing. And the reality is everybody in our church has a chance to be an auntie or an uncle um, to the other children in the church. And we take that responsibility on to teach it to our children. I'd like you to flip back to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6 to see the responsibility um, of what we are meant to be doing as parents and grandparents for our kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. Deuteronomy 6 verse 1. Now this is the commandment, and this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. And he says this, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and commandments which I command you, and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, that your days may be prolonged. We're going to look, I, I mean I have a whole message on this, and I'm going to condense this down to three major points that we are to pass on to their children. First of all, First of all, instruction to the parents, instruction to the grandparents. We need to know God in verses 4 through 6. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. You may multiply greatly, as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You'll love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. The first thing that we have to do, if we're going to teach our kids, and if we're going to teach our grandchildren the Word of God, and those of you who are not at the parenting stage yet, chances are you will be one day, and you do have a chance to be a parent. Um, those who work in Kids Club or those who help with the crash, when we can have those things, you're having a chance to be something of a parental role <coughs> Excuse me, to those kids. We can't do that unless we know God ourselves. We have to know God before we can share our knowledge of God with them. Some things we need to know about God. We need to know, these pastors, we need, we need to know that the Lord is one God. There's no other God that we can set out there. And the world is throwing out all kinds of, of messages about what is God and what's important. Um, I heard a John MacArthur message this morning on my walk, and he was talking about how people have replaced God with government, with a political agenda. They've replaced God with um, economy. And we get our heads all mixed up in that case sometimes. We get, we get really confused about, you know, what are we supposed to do? Well, we need to remember that God is God. He's the Lord. He's one God. Then we're told to love Him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Later on, Jesus, God expands this, and then Jesus expands this to love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. We need to be people of love. We can't be a pattern of love. Excuse me, if we're not people of love. We need to be we need to love God with all of our heart and all of our strength and all of our might. That's a pretty profound statement, isn't it? We need to love God completely. With every fiber of our soul, we need to be loving God. Everything in us needs to be about loving God. Do we have that love for God? Does our love for God's um I, I, I know, I mean, obviously in the country I came from, patriotism is a very important virtue in some ways. 
But I've got to be careful that I don't love my country more than I love my God. I've got to be careful I don't love my family more than I love my God. God gets every, fi- every bit of my love. And if I'm loving God, because God is love, if I love God, I'm going to love others. We have to have that right. Then we, then we also have, we have to obey God. Our children, our grandchildren, those children we're involved with at church, those children we may teach in an informal capacity, the neighborhood kids that we meet, our children's friends <clears throat> are not going to see a testimony for Christ in our lives unless we live it. We need to realize God is the one God. We need to love God. We need to obey God. Then we're called on to teach God's word to them. This, now, this is an active thing. This isn't something we can just kind of hope they're going to pick it up by osmosis. They're not going to absorb it just naturally. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart. Now, they've got to be in our heart. How do we do that? We've got to be in God's word. If God's word is going to be in our heart, we've got to be in God's word, first of all. These words that I teach you will be in your heart. Then he says, not up there in your heart, and then you teach them diligently to your children. Diligently. There's got to be an active effort to teach our children the Word of God. They're not just going to get it. It's not going to be a natural action. It's not just going to happen. We need to be teaching our children. That's why family devotions are so important. That's why when your children are of an age that they that they can understand and comprehend, we need to sit down daily with them and give them the Word of God. One of the great confidences of doing this is the fact that when your children get to be adults, and let's say your children get to be adults and they stray a bit. Let's say that they they grow up and they're not following God the way that they were taught and they're not following, uh, maybe, they're, maybe they're wandering and maybe they're wandering far from God. But if we've sat there all through the years and we've faithfully taught our children the Word of God, then we've done our task. We've done all we can do. Every child has to make a decision for themselves at some point. Is their faith going to be their faith? Or is it going to be our faith? And if we can look back and honestly say, yes, I did everything I did to teach my children God's word, and they still stray, we can at least have confidence that we'd obey God. It's a diligent teaching. And then we do, we teach at every opportunity. You shall bind them, no, uh, you shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you're in your house. When you're out for a walk, when you get ready for bed, when you rise up, we always take every opportunity to teach our children God's Word. It doesn't have to be limited to that five or ten minutes of family devotions. We teach our children God's Word. We teach our grandchildren God's Word by our every action and by all of our behavior. You shall, be, they shall, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong if we uh, have the Word of God around our house. Um, hangings, um, cross-stitch, whatever, pictures that have Bible verses applied to them. I think that's a great idea because it always keeps the Word of God in front of us. We have a whole new technology now. When, 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 this, when Moses wrote this, he had no idea about Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram. And yeah, there's a lot of problems with those things. I understand that. I understand there's a huge amount of problems. But it's also a great chance for us to keep God's Word constantly. I appreciate Christians who put the Word of God on their Facebook feed or on their Twitter feed. It's a, it's a challenge because not only did... And, and our children, whatever they're on Instagram or Facebook, when they see us consistently 
putting God's word out, we're still taking opportunities to teach our children at every opportunity. And then down to verse 13. Here, what do we teach? <clears throat> you shall fear the Lord your God and serve him. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people around you, for the Lord your God is a jealous God. Don't tempt the Lord God. Don't, don't tempt God. Fear God and keep his commandments. Verse 17, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord. Fear God and keep his commandments. The message I heard John MacArthur preach this morning was talking about you know, ways that we live and things that we do. And uh, he has a whole, actually the whole thing, how, sh- how should Christians respond to all these protests? And he went through all, all of um, Ecclesiastes and all the things that, that would happen in Ecclesiastes. You know, he said, though, that at the end of the day, the thing that we have to do is to fear God and keep his commandments. We, stay, we, we fear God, we respect God, we recognize who he is, and we keep his commandments every place we go. And that's the end of the day. That's the biggest thing we can do. We can, we can get involved if we want, um, but our primary focus needs to be to fear God and, 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 and keep his commandments. And that's what our children need to see as important to us. If our children see that the most important thing to me is the upcoming election or social action, or the most important thing to me is demanding my rights and insisting I get my way, that's what they're going to learn. We need to teach our children to fear God and keep His commandments. All right? Now now we pick up with that. uh, And Paul goes on to say, you've known the Scripture since you were a child. And he says this in verse 16. These are the benefits of God's Word. Now some of them... um, First of all, the word of yeah, the word of God is God breathed. It's given by the inspiration of God. You can imagine if you think about it for a second. Uh, that word theopneutos it means it's breathed by God Himself. It's hard to get an image of that for us. God's word was literally the very breath of God transmitted to the human writers. Another place it says that the word of God is not from any private interpretation. It comes from God himself. Another place we read that God's word is more sure than the, um, the oral hearing God speak himself. <clears throat> Why is that true? Because we can forget what we heard. We can misinterpret it. But we always have God's word before us. You want a proof of that? If you're in Dublin on any day but a Monday, go into town and go to the Chester Beatty Library. We have manuscripts in the Chester Beatty Library that are nearly 2,000 years old. And the word is still there. That's how we know God's word is reliable. Oral tradition always gets turned around. Have you ever played the game, what's it called? The telephone or whatever, when you whispers or whatever. When you what starts out on one side and somebody says something, how much it changes by the time it gets around. That's what happens with oral tradition. But if you took a, if you took a note and you said, for example, you were at a youth meeting and the note said, Pastor Paro is a wonderful person. All right? If you started on this side... And it went all the way around the circle, unless some smart aleck changed it. But when it got to the end, it would still say, Pastor Paro is a wonderful person. Okay? Because it, that's written down. And that's why we have God's Word. And here we read that God, the God, it is given by the inspiration of God. God literally breathed His Word into these men. These men faithfully wrote down what God gave them. <coughs> God preserved His Word as they wrote His words. I don't want to get too much into all the theology of the inspiration of Scripture, but there it is. 
All scriptures are given by God's inspiration. When I pick up my Bible, that's why it says the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Because when I pick my Bible up, this isn't just printed in black and white by Thomas Nelson Publishers, I think it is. Yeah, this isn't just a book written by Thomas Nelson Publishers. It is that. But when I do my devotions, when I spend time in God's Word, these are the alive, it's the breath of God being transmitted to me. That's why, as Ben said this morning, go read your Bible. It's really important to read your Bible because it is the breath of God for you and me to see today. God's Word is God-breathe. It's the breath of God. Holy men spoke as they were moved by God. Um, and with them, therefore we have the Scriptures. Um, Alright, now we're going to look at some things that the Word of God does. Uh, we're going to go back a verse. <clears throat> There's about six things I, I have here that the Word of God does for us. Um, if we go back into the previous verse, back up to... Uh, where are we? Back, go back up to verse 15. The first two things are in verse 15, and then we come back to verse 17. The first thing the Bible is able to do in verse 15 is to make us wise. <clears throat> verse 15, from the, from the child you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. First thing from the Word of God is true wisdom. God's wisdom and man's wisdom go head to head. What seems wise to God is foolish to man, sometimes, in a natural mind, and what seems wise to man is foolish to God. The only source of true wisdom is the Word of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I cannot be truly wise. I can have some measure of wisdom, and wisdom has something people have always sought for. They've always looked for wisdom. I mean, we have philosophers, and we have the philosophers, and through Greek history and France in the late 18th century and carrying on, there were people who really stressed this concept of wisdom. And some of them were Christians and they saw true wisdom, but so many of them tried to develop human reasoning as wisdom. But we can't have wisdom apart from the Word of God. Truism is not going to happen if I try to conjure it up in my head. It's God's Word that makes us wise. How do I get through this crisis? I go to God's Word. How do I know what to do about how to respond to political movements? I go to God's Word. How do I know how to handle a problem that comes up? How do I know? I go to God's Word for wisdom. How do I know what to do if things don't go my way? I go to God's Word for wisdom. How do I know if I'm dealing with a sin in my life? I don't know what to do with it. I go to God's Word for wisdom. God's Word will give us wisdom for every situation. The wisdom is there. Not only that, according to what Paul wrote back in verse 15, not only does it give us wisdom, but it saves us. Faith comes by hearing. Do you know the rest of that verse? And hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. Now, the only source of salvation is through God's Word. Nothing else is going to save us. Nothing else can do it. Scriptures have all the answers. Paul Paul always seems... I was challenged recently about... Um, I listened to a podcast by a couple of English podcasters talk about the importance of sharing the gospel in as, as many messages as you can. If you look at Paul, Paul always seems to find a way to share the gospel. 
the scriptures are able to make you wise, but they're also but they're able to make you wise into salvation. What is salvation? Salvation means this. First of all, salvation means that we realize that we're sinners without hope in this world. It's no doubt about it. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It just can't happen. God's standard is perfection. You say, well, Roger, that's crazy. What? Perfection? Nobody can be perfect. Well, you know what? Would you want to go to a heaven that wasn't perfect? Really? Would you want to go to a heaven where terrorists and murderers and rapists and and, and violent people all were all there, unchanged, unmo- and could carry on their ways? That wouldn't be heaven. That would be just as much hell as earth is. So God needs perfection. All men fall short. But God also desires that every man come to repentance. Everybody. Every person out there, God's desires they'd be saved. So first of all, all have sinned. The Bible teaches that in Romans. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a target out there um, <clears throat> that we can't reach. <coughs> perfection that we can't reach on our own. The Bible also teaches in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. If we die in our sin... We're eternally separated from God forever and ever and ever. It also teaches the wonderful teaching in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And all Bible also teaches says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Where do we get that from? From some man's idea? No. It's from the Word of God. So the Word of God makes us wise. It saves us through faith and faith alone. And then we come down to, uh, back to verse 16. All scriptures give by inspiration of God. And the next thing it does, it makes us wise. It saves us and it's profitable. It's useful for doctrine. We've said this many times in our messages. Doctrine is just simply teaching. The word of God is profitable for proper teaching. No other textbook is going to get you what God has for you. No other textbook can do that. God's word makes us wise for all teaching. And I firmly believe that for for believers, every aspect of our faith, every aspect of our lives is tied into salvation, is tied into the word of God. Um, and, And so... So part of what we have to do, and that's part of the reason that we continue doing these messages online during the lockdown, is that we need the teaching of God's Word. Yes, we can sit down and read the Bible ourselves, and that's great. You can study the Bible for yourself. But God also planned that there are teachers out there to give us the tools we need to equip us for the ministry. I know some churches who, during the lockdown... Um, and I kind of understand their point. They, they don't want, they did not want to be seen as trying to have church when you can't have church. And you know how I feel about that. We have not really, this is the first time since March that we've had anything resembling a church service. Um, because church, you have to come together to have church. You can't have church without fellowship. It's, well, that's what the word means. Originally, the word just meant an assembly that's called out, but but eventually the Greek word became. By the time the New Testament was written, the church word for church is ecclesia, and it became a group which is called out from here and they meet over here. Um, in modern parlance, we could say, I don't want to make the word sound too trivial, but we could say the church of 
Irish rugby fans. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I'm not, I'm not trying to make it sound like a church, but the word would be appropriate. Because out of all the rugby fans in the world, there's a certain amount of rugby fans who like Irish rugby, and you'll see them assembling at the RDS or the Aviva to watch the match. They are a called-out group of people who are Irish rugby fans. Do you, understand? Do you see what I'm saying here? I've talked to several friends on my walk about the importance of going to church. And I have an atheist friend who made this click in my mind. Well, see, he said, of course you want to come together. He said, I'm a St. Pat's fan. I want to be around St. Pat's as an Irish football team. I'm a, I'm a St. Pat's fan. I want to be with St. Pat's fans. I want to go out with them. I want to drink with them. I want to be with St. Pat's fans because we have a mind together. And the same thing is true with God. We are a church and we fellowship together and part of what we do is teach. And that's why we try to carry at least the teaching on through, I didn't mean to get off track that much, uh, through the crisis that we're going through. Uh, so the word of God is profitable to make you wise. It's profitable because it saves us. It's profitable because of teaching. But then the word of God is also in, it's also a tool for, for conviction. Uh, if, I did, if I was not convicted of my sin, I'm not going to change my situation. I've got to be convicted of my sin being real. The word of God is the tool of conviction. A conviction is like you. A conviction is like um, just what it sounds like. It's like a court sentence. I need to be convicted of my sin before I can change. The only real conviction comes from the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts convicts us of sin. And but if I'm, how does the Holy Spirit speak? What did He do with His voice? Remember, he breathed it into the man who wrote it. The word of God is what convicts me. And I get convicted when I hear preaching. And so I get convicted when I'm reading God's word because I can't be convicted unless I... I can't be convic- convicted without being convinced. And I can't, if I'm not convinced it's wrong, I'm not going to change. But if I trust God's word and r- the word of God says to me, Roger, you got to change that, then I can make a change. So the word of God is profitable for doctrine. It's, 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 it's profitable for conviction. And then the next thing is it's profitable for correction. So you, you get convicted. What's the next step? You fix it, right? It's profitable for conviction. It's profitable for correction. And that correction comes through the next thing listed here for instruction in righteousness. I am corrected as I am instructed in what righteous living is like. That's why it's so important that we spend time in God's Word. But I'm, I am so convinced. That's why it's important that we, that we talk about God's Word. I'll be honest with you. I read, my, I, read my, I read my Bible every day. I mean, several times a day. But sometimes I just read it. I just read it. You know what I mean by that? Just read it? I just read the words and they go in one in my eye and, and out and it's gone. And that can happen to us if we're not careful. So if we're going to be corrected, we need to take God's word in and allow it to instruct us in righteous living. The only way to find righteous living, righteousness, is in the word of God. The world is not going to teach us how to live a righteous life. It only comes in God's word. So it's profitable for um, doctrine. It's profitable for conviction. It's profitable for correction. And then finally, it's, it's profitable for completion. That the man of God may be perfect. That word means complete and mature. I can't be a complete believer without God's word. 
In fact, I can't be a complete human without God's Word. The Word of God brings completion, that the man of God may be complete, mature. As we go through our Christian life, we grow biblically. There's several phases of, 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 of growth. I thought about preaching on these uh, since it was Father's Day, but let me just mention the areas of growth that we go through. Biblically, when you first get saved, you're a newborn babe. A, a, a newborn baby. Um, Mateo, seven months old now, he's moved beyond a newborn baby. He's still an infant. But at the very beginning, all he could eat was milk. That was it. Nothing else. We first get saved. We don't, pe- we don't teach people necessarily about transubstantiation and, and consubstantiation. We don't teach people about... Um, various theories of eschatology. Uh, we don't teach people about um, the difference between justification and sanctification and, 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 and um, all the things that are talked about about salvation. We teach people they first get saved. What do we teach them? You need to read your Bible. Tell you what, Ben would convince you to read. You've got to watch the earlier video. Anybody who's watching this needs to watch the other video on the, on the page. Ben is what? Ben's just gone four, right? Ben's just gone forward. He knows it. Go read your Bible. Hallelujah. Amen. Why? Because reading your Bible is important. Don't read that other... If I were preaching, I would say, don't read that other junk. Read your Bible. And if you want to read your Bible, read it. Because it's important to read the Bible. What a powerful way to say it. And he said that. It's taken me a half hour to get that far. All right? It makes us mature. It's how we can grow. He's right. You're not going to grow by reading um, funny... Nothing. I mean, I read the news. I read things on Facebook. I enjoy humor. I enjoy history. Nothing wrong with those. But you know what? But eventually, you need to go read your Bible. It needs to be a part of our lives, guys, or we're going to fail. Especially in times like we've been through. And God willing, we're coming out of this thing. But I hope people will spend time in God's Word because that is what is going to make us complete. We go from inf- newborn babes, then we become infants, and then we become children where they're that little bit more mature. Kind of like what Ben did this morning. All right? A little child learning from the scriptures. And then we become children. And then we become young men. Then we become older people. And eventually we get to the point where we're not just older in that, that sense. Then we become elder people. By the time people are Mary and my age, by the time you've been saved more than 40 years, I, I, I should not have to be told to read my Bible. I've been saved 40-some years. Nobody should tell me to read my Bible. Nobody should tell me you have to go to church. Those are biblical things. Those are the things you teach babies. Read your Bible. Go to church. Obey mom and dad. Do right. I mean, there's deeper things of Scripture that we should be picking up to make us even more, more, make us even stronger. But we only grow through the Word of God as we read it and as we're taught it. And then finally, as we close here, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God calls us to good works. 